Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Well, Father, we want to thank you, uh, Lord, for this day. It's the day you've made. You've said we're to rejoice and to be glad in it. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord. Uh, for each person on the screen, I just pray that, Father, your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Uh, Lord, that you would highlight uh, to each one of us the portion of Genesis 2 uh, that specifically would apply to our lives. So, Father, we thank you uh, for your care, your love for each one. And thank you, Lord. We pray uh, that we'd get something more than just some more data in our brains. Uh, but we pray that our hearts would be touched. And we thank you for it, Lord. Uh, and we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, my stretch just a minute. <laughs> stretch. Uh, that's good. And uh, you can praise the Lord while your hands are up. You can do a couple of things at one time. Okay. We are in Genesis chapter two, so let me read it, and then we will study it. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their host. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctify it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth. No plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that's pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there's gold. The gold of that land is good. And Bedlam and the onyx stone are there. And the name of the second river is Gibbon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. <clears throat> then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, 
From any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord has formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed in the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Okay. Well, uh, as I'm looking at Genesis 2, uh, there's a lot of things we could deal with, but I really wanted to kind of center in on four points. One is the importance of the Sabbath and Sabbath living. Uh, number two, uh, the Garden of Eden. Uh, number three, there are two separate trees in the garden. What, what's that about? And then the importance of being with people. So that's where we're going to go this morning. So uh, let's look at number one, uh, the importance of the Sabbath. So if you notice here, uh, Genesis 2.1, <coughs> it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. So if you go back, switch back to Genesis 1, we have an account of how God made the heavens, how he made the earth, how he made the stars, how he made all the things on the earth, the animals, the fish, the birds, the plants, the trees. The whole shebang, he did it in the six days. And after the six days, if you notice, verse two, something special happened. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. So on the seventh day, it says God rested. Now, that doesn't mean that God basically said, man, I am tired. I'm exhausted. Making this universe has worn me out silly. It's not saying that. God never runs out of strength. He keeps on rolling, much different than we with our energy levels. So I think basically on the seventh day, uh, what the Lord was saying, he kind of looks at what he made. Uh, and if you notice in Genesis 1, he says, when he looks at it, it's good. It's good. It's very good. And it's almost like God stands back, looks at his creation. And, and just wants to celebrate the beautiful things uh, that he had created. But the key verse here uh, is verse three. <laughs> then God blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it because he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. God blessed the seventh day. And it says he sanctified it. And the word sanctified 
sanctified means he set it apart for a special purpose. It's not like the other six days. He said, no, I'm setting the seventh day as a very special set-apart day for me. And you might ask, okay, uh, so what's the deal with the Sabbath? Why did God say, let's keep it holy? Let's sanctify it. I think two things. Number one, uh, number one, God realized uh, that Israel needed to take a break from their work, from their responsibilities, from their distractions. I mean, you know, we get it, right? We work. Uh, it, it drains us in a sense. Uh, it's hard to focus because we have so many things in the air and all these balls we're trying to juggle in our workplace. Uh, and I think God says, okay, you need to take one day. <coughs> and on that day, we're going to take a special time. And I want you to turn off that work head and I want you to focus on me. I want you to appreciate me. I want you to appreciate all that I've done. Um, I want you to take some time just to ponder the blessings, how blessed you are, to have extra time uh, to be able to worship. So I believe that not only did the Lord know that, uh, but the, the other reason was not just to give them time to draw closer to him. God knew that we needed to be recharged and to be refreshed. Not just spiritually, as I was talking about, uh, you know, that kind of a thing, uh, but the recharging of not only our spirit, but of our emotions, of our mind to be recharged in our bodies. Uh, so the Lord basically uh, didn't say this was an optional thing, okay? Uh, I'm just going to read a, a thing from Exodus 20, if you want to jot this down. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 8. You know the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, we probably heard them way back in the school, <clears throat> heard them read, maybe repeated them. But notice, of the Ten Commandments, one of them is this. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do no work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male, or your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays in you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So it's one of the Ten Commandments. And you might say, well, would that be helpful? Uh, I would say absolutely. And I would say not just keeping the Sabbath, legalistically okay it's one of the 10 minutes i gotta keep the sabbath you know i gotta do this you know like almost like it's a burden i think god gave the sabbath not to burden us but to refresh us let me say it again god gave this the sabbath not as a burden oh you know don't do you gotta just chill on then no he gave it as a gift the sabbath literally is a gift to us to recharge us spiritually mentally, emotionally, and physically, because uh, he knows we can burn out. So I'll do a, a little confession here. Uh, I think I've shared back a ways uh, that I'm going to get married. Uh, the ladies on the screen, if you see there, Kathy Buxton, there she is. So I met this cute gal from Prestar Church. I guess you're allowed to date somebody outside of Fusion. You better be or I'm going to be in trouble. 
so we met uh, and developed a relationship and we're just having a good old time and having some great romance. And then we decided, well, um, let's choose to get married. And I don't know if anybody's had the, the joy of putting two physical houses under one roof. This is a catastrophe. There is so much stuff. Okay, I see Doug. Yeah, I see that hand. I mean, it's nuts. Uh, where do you put this furniture? Does it go to Goodwill? Do you put it out in the curb? You do this. And oh my word, our heads are spinning around like that. And some of our friends would like us to meet each other. Uh, so we're doing that. So kind of, uh, I feel a little bit like, uh, I won't speak for Kathy, but like a, a chicken with its head. So you ever see these chickens? They run around like crazy people. Um, so I'm trying to get my devotions in, but they have not been as strong in the last two or three months because of all these extra responsibilities. And I feel it. I, my, my tank, my spiritual tank, my emotional tank, my physical tank, it's, it's not where I want it to be. And it would be really smart. And I hope I can get my act together and, and take the Sabbath and take a day and say, hey, I'm not moving anything today. I'm not doing anything. I just want to be. I want to enjoy you, Lord. I want to enjoy you, Kathy. I want to enjoy life. Uh, and friends, if you're not taking that Sabbath, I think, I think we're losing it. We're going to lose something special. But I want to take a step beyond that because I want to get hung up just on a Sabbath day. I think God wants us to have a Sabbath living. I think he wants us to live in his rest. Okay, it's one thing to take a day and say, I'm going to rest for a day. But it's something else to learn to live out of God's rest. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 4. Amazing. I'm just going to give you a couple of verses versus you looking them up. But, but hear what God is promising to us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly coin, consider Jesus the apostle. Oh, I'm sorry. Nope, I'm wrong one. That's chapter three. I'm sorry. Take it back. Chapter four. Uh, four one. Therefore, let us fear that while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to fall short of it. A promise remains of entering God's rest. Verse three. For we who have believed enter that rest. Okay. Now, if you look at verse six, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of their disobedience. And then verse 9 and 10. There remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered God's rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. <coughs> Hebrews 4 is amazing. I love Hebrews 4 just a very, 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 very powerful statement. So it's not taking one day and resting. It's learning to live in a state of rest. Okay. Another way of putting that, it's learning to walk in the Holy Spirit. Instead of striving to live the Christian life, instead of trying to be a good Christian, it's resting in 
the fact that Christ lives in us. And our role is not to try to be a Christian. Our role is to let the Jesus in us live his life in us and through us. And how do we do that? We yield to him. We yield to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you're in me by the Spirit. I yield to you today. And I'm trusting as I let go, you're going to live your life in me and through me. I'll tell you, it makes all the difference. Uh, and I can't say I've got that down pat. But there are times by God's grace that I've entered into this Sabbath. And it is, it's amazing. It's kind of effortless. Uh, it's not toiling and sweating. It's, there's just a sense of divine peace, uh, a divine calm, a divine joy. You know you're living out of something more than just your oomph and your power and your abilities and your wisdom. Uh, let me give you an illustration. Uh, I like turkey buzzards. And I don't like them because they're pretty. But if you've ever seen a turkey buzzard, they, they soar. I love it. They go up and, they, and they, they stretch the wind and they're soaring. They catch the wind and they soar. Other birds, they flap. And they're trying, they flap, 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 flap. And I think that's a picture of the Christian life. Which is it? Are we soaring? Are we letting the Holy Spirit carry us along? Are we walking in God's rest out of his power and his wisdom? Or am I flapping, trying to do the Christian life on my own steam? Big difference. So I would throw that one out to you. Which bird represents you? The bird that soars? or the bird that's trying so, so hard to live the Christian life. Okay, that's point one, the Sabbath and Sabbath living. Point two, the Garden of Eden. If you look at verse 15, <coughs> then the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it. <coughs> the Garden of Eden, uh, pretty cool. The word Eden actually means delight. So what it's basically saying here is, they lived in the garden of delight. And take, take some time, use your imagination with me. What would that have been like to be there in the immediate presence of God? Just to be there in his presence. I, it would have been experiencing just supernatural love, supernatural peace, supernatural joy. So it just a beautiful, beautiful harmony between the creator and his creation. But not only was there a harmony vertically with God, there was a harmony between Adam and Eve. A tremendous love between the two of them. There wasn't anything messed up in their relationship. Um, there was no anger, no lying, no pretense. They were, they were in a one accord with each other. Perfect. And not only were Adam and Eve in, in touch with God, vertically and each other, they were in tune with creation and the beauty of it. The animals, there would have been perfect accord with them as well. If you can picture that, before the fall, no weeds. I got a garden out front, it's driving me nuts. I think that what I call a devil weed has got in this thing. It is nasty. And I dig it out and I go out a couple of weeks later and it's multiplied. Frustrates me. Weeds are not part of the original deal. Uh, there's no pollution uh, in this garden. I don't know about anybody else, but my allergies are going crazy. There's no allergies in the Garden of Eden. I mean, it's perfect. No temptation, no sin. 
It almost sounds like heaven, you might say. And that's really what heaven is. If we've made that commitment to Jesus as our Lord and Savior uh, and given him our life truly and we're living for him. And, you know, if by any chance you've never done that, I mean, that's the most important decision you can ever make. It will change your life here and into eternity where you'll spend it. But when we make that decision, I believe literally uh, that we begin to experience some of the Garden of Eden. We're not experiencing the fullness of heaven, but what is heaven? Think about heaven. It's not a place necessarily where there's gold streets, there's angels with their wings. The heaven is literally the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you get to heaven, what's going to make heaven heaven? You will experience face-to-face the Trinity in all their glory and all their fullness. And if they're living inside of us now, folks, you can actually begin to experience right now some of heaven because heaven is literally living if you inside of you have given your life to Christ. Jesus said it himself, I came that you might have life and have it what? Abundantly. That's God's plan for your life and mine, that we have an abundant life that overflows with his love, his peace, and his joy. So draw close to Jesus, fellowship with the Father, walk in the Spirit, and you will begin to literally experience to a level the Garden of Eden before you even get to heaven. Okay, so we looked at the Sabbath, uh, the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, there's two trees, okay? Uh, If you look at verse chapter 9 it says out of the ground the lord god caused to grow every tree that's pleasing in the sight and is good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil then look at verse 16 17 and the lord god commanded the man saying from any tree of the garden you may eat freely But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. So what are the two trees? I think the tree of life, uh, if you've ever gone through the Freedom Conference, I think we kind of get a handle on what these trees are. The tree of life literally is Jesus Christ. Okay? In a sense, the choice was go to the tree of life experience Jesus, and in Jesus alone, you will be fulfilled, and in Jesus alone, you will be satisfied. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and here it is, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And what's interesting, this tree of life, in the Greek, there's two words for life. There's one word, bios, means right now you have life, i.e. you're not dead. You're breathing. All of us have bios life. We're alive. You may be a little bit asleep at this time, but you're breathing, okay? You're functioning. That's bios. But there's another word in the Greek for life, and that's zoe. And zoe is God's supernatural life that he has within his being. So literally... uh, Adam and Eve have a choice. They could embrace the Trinity. They could open their lives to Jesus. They could allow his life to come into them. Or they could eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, okay, what's that knowledge? You know, there's been a lot of speculation. Well, it means this. It means that. 
to me, basically, the truly um, knowledge of good and evil means I want to live life independently. I, I, I want to do my own thing. So instead of a childlike dependence on the Lord, instead of leaning on the Lord, Adam and Eve decide, no, uh, let's figure this out on our own. Uh, let's make our own choices. Let's do our own thing. And as you well know, everything goes south because of that. The fall happens. They're messed up inside. They begin to hide because they have shame over the guilt of the sin they've committed. And it says right here, the Lord said, um, on the day that you eat from it, you'll die. A lot of people said, <coughs> what's that all about? Well, did they drop dead when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good need? No, they didn't drop dead. Uh-uh. They still, they had bios. They kept, kept breathing. But yes, death did catch up eventually. Their bodies did die. Uh, but what happened on the day they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they died on the inside. Their spirit on the inside, in a sense, went out. Uh, the relationship they had with God, that connection was broken because of sin. And in a sense, they really did die. Uh, instead of living out of God's life, they lived out of their own abilities. And not only their own abilities of their soul, they inherited this sinful nature that has a bias to be all about me, 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 and self-centeredness. So when I look at these trees, I have to ask myself as a Christian, what tree, what tree um, do I really feed upon most of the time? Am I leaning into Jesus? Am I yielding to Jesus? Am I trusting Jesus like a child? Lord, just thank you. You're going to meet my needs. You said you'll supply my needs. Or are we living our lifestyle of, <coughs> excuse me, out of my own abilities, out of my own creativity, out of my own choices, kind of doing my own thing. Uh, there's two trees. One's going to give life and the other is going to give death. And the last one uh, is the importance of being with people. If you look at verse 18, the Lord, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he'd name them. And he names them, okay. Uh, but it says at the end here, verse 20, but for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. <coughs> Excuse me. For the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh at the place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. He brought him to the man, and the man said, This is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this cause, a man shall leave his father, his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. Okay. I find it very interesting that God literally says to himself in his own self-talk, it's not good for the man to be alone. I thought about that. It's not good for the man. And I'm thinking, I would think, Lord, you're adequate to fulfill every need I have. You're enough, Lord. If I have you, what else do I need? 
in a really, in a very real way, it's true. If we have the Lord, he ultimately is the one that satisfies. Nobody can substitute for putting the Lord first place in your life. So in a sense, yes, God is enough. But interestingly enough, that being the case, God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. So he actually causes Adam to fall asleep out of Adam. He brings Eve and the two come together and they seem to be complete. So uh, basically it gives mankind the gift of marriage. But in many cases, many people do not get married, okay? For different reasons. So what I think God is saying here in an overall fashion is not just marriage. I think what it is saying is we need human relationships to thrive. Let me say it again. We need human relationships to, to thrive. I think we need to love and be loved. We need to be listened to. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to encourage each other. We need to pray for each other. And, and by the way, just as a sidelight, we're going to be less prone to be picked off by the devil if we're working with other Christians versus being a lone ranger. So I think in essence, what the Lord's saying here, it's not good to live life in isolation. And tell you folks, look at, look at what COVID has done to our society. It's cocooned us. It's isolated us. And in many cases, it's not been healthy. Uh, and we're seeing many people uh, having emotional uh, disturbances, anxiety, depression, because they've not had the deep human relationships that God literally wants us to have, to thrive. <clears throat> so I think God is saying here, I don't want you to live in isolation. Uh, it's not good being a hermit. Uh, no. We need human companionship. So I'd encourage you, if you're not a member of one of the connect groups, um, jump in in the summer. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to get together and worship. Definitely has its part. But many times in worship, you're just looking at the back of somebody's head. We need to be, as Pastor Brendan says, not just in rows. We need to be in circles. And we need to be able to open our hearts up to each other. Uh, and not just talk about, well, how's the weather today? but to get into a deeper relationship to share, you know, what, what's really going on in my life? <clears throat> where am I struggling? Uh, and not only where I could share my, my heart, but other people can share their hearts back to me. So I would say, uh, if you're married folks, celebrate your spouse. According to Genesis 2, that is a tremendous gift. Don't take your partner for granted. That is literally a gift of God to you to be able to enjoy. Uh, I would say celebrate the gift of your family, your kids, your grandkids, grandparents, nephews, nieces, uncles, all your family. That's a gift. And I'd say celebrate the friends that God has given you. They are, again, a gift. So just wrapping up. Uh, I'd say number one, and I, I need to practice this, so I'm really going to try and give it my best shot. I think keeping a Sabbath day is a good thing. I don't know if that's a Sunday. Who knows people's schedules, their work, whatever. But I think we will benefit by setting a day apart. I'm not working. 
I'm going to relax, fill up on the inside, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. That's going to make a difference. And take it a step beyond that. Don't just take a day off. Learn to live in the spirit. Learn to live in God's rest so that the Sabbath actually becomes a lifestyle. It'll make a big difference between wearing yourself out, burning yourself out. I think of the story in the Bible of Miriam uh, and Martha. Martha is running around and spinning around. I got to get the meal. And oh my, she, she's in the flapping mode. She's flapping. And, and Mary just sits at Jesus' feet and she's just soaring. So I pray that you would have a soaring spirit. Uh, I would just encourage you, in a sense, to, to go back to the Garden of Eden. Take time to fellowship with God on a daily basis. Get intimate with him. Uh, develop a friendship with him. Open your heart to him. Let him speak into your life. Develop that Garden of Eden relationship. Eat of the tree of life. Get close to Jesus. And I believe you can begin to experience a supernatural love and a supernatural peace and a joy. And last, <coughs> celebrate and, and uh, cultivate Christian friends, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your family, whether it's folks in the church that we, we worship with and fellowship with, cultivate these friends. They are God's great gift. So let's close in a word of prayer. Father, I just wanna thank you for my brothers and sisters. And Lord, I, I don't know which part uh, of Genesis 2 you want to apply, Lord, uh, to each one. Uh, do we need to develop a greater Sabbath living? Lord, do we need to take time, in a sense, to get back into the garden uh, and really uh, just take time and sit at your feet in fellowship with you? Uh, Lord, do we need to develop uh, Christian friends uh, that you would send our way? Maybe we need to develop a little bit of everything. But Lord, we just give you this chapter. Uh, continue, Lord, to fill us up so full with you, Lord, that we would just spill over your love, your peace, and your joy wherever we would go today, whether it's our family, whether it's uh, going to work, whatever we're doing. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you'll go ahead of us and you'll guide and lead. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.